Hello, 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 folks. Welcome to the Shiny Happy People podcast. This is Vinay, your host. This week, it's a transporting episode, and you're going to hear from my colleagues on a very, very interesting topic, which we've had lots of guests on our podcast talk about it, but it's really how learning and development has evolved and is changing. So we're going to explore how we're getting the seat at the table again, how are we going to measure effectiveness, what some other best trends out there are. So stay tuned. More on this particular trend right after the break. Hello, people. Welcome to the fifth episode of Trend Spotting. This is your host, Sanjay Dugar, once again. And with me this time, I have my colleague, Jyoti Das, who is part of our solutions team in C2C OD. And the topic... Hi, Jyoti. So the topic this time was actually coming from the L&D folks with whom, of course, Jyoti and I work closely. And the question in their minds is, what has changed for the L&D post-pandemic? Jyoti, any initial thoughts about this? Oh, yes. And a lot has changed for all of us in all spheres and more so for L&D. I think pre-pandemic, we never really looked beyond conventional, uh, you know, classroom training or face-to-face training. And that was our focus. It was just around that. And there was very little of non-face-to-face that was happening, right? So the pandemic, during the pandemic, face-to-face completely disappeared. And we had to rely on other uh, modes of delivery and looking at upskilling people also to adapt to the changes around them very quickly. And uh, now again, it is, you know, with the return to work now, there is more of a focus of face-to-face sessions also returning. And there is, at the same time, uh, we know that virtual delivery and online is here to stay. So I think it's more of blended, you know, that we are looking at. And so there is also a shift in the tools and techniques that are needed to keep people engaged. We're talking about hybrid workforces, how are we going to keep them engaged? Um, and uh, L&D has a big role to play in all of this. I mean, and that's, you know, the kind of shift of what we're seeing post-pandemic. Yes, Jyoti, totally agree. In fact, I've been hearing that, uh, you know, online, face-to-face, there's also blended learning, like you said, Uh, hybrid learning again. And there's another dimension of learning on demand uh, that is also coming in. And of course, uh, all of this would mean that they would have to adapt with new tools, new techniques. And um, rightly so, you also pointed out that now L&D actually has a seat on the boardroom, right? I think everybody is recognizing that a lot of things have to happen in the L&D space and they contribute to business strategy and growth. Now, keeping all of this in mind and uh, particularly trying to look at the learning styles, uh, whether it's blended, whether it's learning on demand, how do you think L&D will need to adapt to that? So with the fact that there is more of all of this, you know, hybrid and all of that, I think organizations need to invest more in the kind of tools and techniques which will keep people engaged 
across different kinds of you know modes that are used for learning uh, you know and like you said you know hybrid solutions would mean one trainer or one facilitator is addressing different people in the classroom people who are sitting spread across everywhere so what are you using how are you engaging them all so therefore you know what kind of learning management systems are being used and how effectively are those lmss catering to different needs of learners uh, we also have learning project systems that are coming into play um, and different ways and techniques that people are using to ensure that everybody's attention is is everybody is engaged and effectively learning as well absolutely brilliant and i think tools would be very very key because uh, if you have to conduct say an experiential activity uh, with people face to face and also remotely uh, lots of things have to change tools will have to change and i'm sure even from a design perspective even the kind of activities are all going to go through some change and that's going that's going to be really interesting to see how that all unfolds and how the lnd team prepares themselves for this infrastructure that may be needed and all this uh, prompts me to think about the budget have you heard anything about budgets there jyoti well definitely there has been a lot of uh, you know um, research in that area as well and i think you know earlier lnd we you know if budgets needed to be cut i think lnd was the first department where budgets were cut when companies were going through any uh, kind of a crisis today though i think the tables have turned and as we're looking at studies done in this area uh, you know in fact the linkedin workplace report says lnd budgets have increased by 57% in the last year wow 57% absolutely wow. and that uh, you know and also global uh, investment in digital transformation is will nearly double in the coming years and oh. all of this means how can lnd definitely has a big role to play the budgets are there companies are invested and so now it is time for lnd to pull up its socks and use that money effectively and to try and see how they can add value and how they can make themselves more relevant to their organizations yeah and that's good to hear 57% is quite a bit but i'm sure they'll have to block some amount to invest on tools and infrastructure in addition to creating the different content which is learning on demand and things like that uh, what would you say about that do you think a significant portion will go into the infrastructure absolutely i think a lot of this additional budget which is coming the way is around it is time for lnd teams to think about the tools that they want to invest in and to invest in uh, the right kind of tools which will help them in the organization the right kind of platforms which will cater to different kinds of needs and also look at organizations which build on multiple tools which do not rely completely on using just one tool to deliver uh, learning as well because that's very critical so you cannot have one or the other so you cannot have a pure uh online based training and neither can you have you know just something else so i think it needs to be a mix of everything and you need to kind of effectively engage with the people who offer all of that yeah jyoti in fact i heard that organizations which have these tools like zoom and teams and adobe and all of them they are also thinking about what next how are we going to bring this hybrid uh, working as seamlessly as the pure online or the pure face to face so it will be interesting to see how tools also adapt to this new need uh, but it's so interesting that uh, organizations are already starting to think and budgeting for it 
I think that's a great sign. The other thing that you mentioned was about the LND having a seat on the table in the boardroom, uh, which means their responsibilities would be really, really high. Uh, they probably have to contribute to the business strategy. So what might be their top three focus areas uh, as they now get back to work? That definitely, Sanjay. I think that is something that we need to look at. The 2022 LND Global Sentiment Survey says that, you know, uh, which talks about prevailing trends in the industry places reskilling and upskilling in the first place, right? Uh, which wasn't as dominant the previous year. And that's in the first place now. In addition to that, two other key areas which are top three across regions is uh, social and collaborative learning and uh, personalized adaptive learning. Right. So these are three areas which are uh, common across. And this, this was across seven regions that they've looked at and India being one of the regions. And uh, across all regions, these three areas have come up as the top needs with maybe a bit of a variation in what comes first somewhere and what comes second somewhere else. Uh, but largely, these are areas that you know, are important. So what does that mean for us as, um, you know, as LN, for the L&D folks? reskilling and upskilling. So keeping business objectives in mind, looking at your business strategy in mind, how are you going to be prepared for what is to come and how agile is L&D as well in to be prepared for this? I think that's something that we need to think about. That's interesting that reskilling and upskilling also getting connected to the business strategy. I think that's fair that I believe most people will straight away agree with. On the personalization or adaptive delivery, like you said, uh, I mean, what exactly do you mean by that, Jyoti? So I think it's no longer about just, you know, rolling out programs because you see it as a need or generically kind of, you know, sending it out, you know, or putting out programs there or just because it's the flavor of the season, but more from a perspective of what is completely relevant, even from an individual learner perspective. Right. And I think because of so much of focus on data and analytics, et cetera, it is easy for LD teams to get that information as well or to do proper diagnostics within their teams and understand what individual learners need and adapt it accordingly. And that's not, not just from the content perspective, but even from a learning style perspective, right? Something that works for one learner may not work for another. And are we able to give the learners that? And it's uh -huh. no longer about just off-the-shelf products. Whoa, that's interesting. And it's also tough, I believe, because they're now going to be looking at probably the same topic delivered in different ways for to suit and adapt to different personalized needs. Wow, that's amazing. I wouldn't have thought of that. But that seems to be the trend. And that's great to see at uh, research is backing that. And you also talked about, I believe, in the personal space, would you think anything linked to coaching or mentoring? Do you think that also you club with personalization? You've hit the nail on the head, uh, Sanjay. I think while yes, one is the technology aspect of it and is the content right, etc. All of that. At the end of the day, we've also seen an upsurge in coaching and mentoring as well in that particular report in terms of the importance given to coaching and mentoring, right? So it is critical that you know, we invest in coaching and mentoring across organizations and most organizations get into more of a coaching culture and have invest in their managers being better coaches 
so that eventually, if you're looking at what the organization wants to achieve, this is the way you will get there. Because then you're more prepared for anything that comes your way and you're not going to be struggling to try and adapt. So wow. I think this is uh, definitely coaching and mentoring is something that would help. With yeah, that. and I think it's rightly preparing for a VUCA world and the VUCA is really accelerating. So amazing thoughts there. And yeah, coaching, mentoring, different ways of personalization. I think they all go hand in hand. And I believe the third point you talked about was collaborative and social learning. Uh, some light around that. Is it anything to do with innovation or what did you have in mind? So I think we talk about how companies employ, uh, you know, social learning to deliver, you know, um, social learning to deliver their online uh, training. And, uh, you know, it's, it's about building those communities around learning, right? You want collaborative communities which are working together uh, and the way you want to have uh, people discuss, talk about stuff. It's not just about learning in isolation. Yes, we are talking about personalized needs and adaptive. But at the same time, it is also about coming together to work because there is a common objective. So also about creating that social learning and having, uh, you know, even sharing best practices and uh, how can you effectively use collaboration tools for all of that to happen? How are you, you know, effectively using it? Uh, organizations have invested a lot in all of this over the last uh, couple of years. Uh, and uh, you need to effectively also use it for the L&D uh, in the L&D space as well. Yeah, so that's already available uh, tools which they can capitalize on. I suppose it's then about creating groups and communities and getting people uh, to come there and share their thoughts. I think that would be awesome. That's, that's also like peer learning in a way. And it's really about how can I put myself in there, derive and also contribute. So I think it's like a two-way street out there. Uh, I think that's fabulous. It's really great to see how people can own up their learning and also contribute to others' learning. That sounds really powerful. Well, one other thought that's bothering me right now, you know, with the L&D getting a seat on the table, uh, their accountability being high, there should be even some thoughts around uh, the board actually asking them to measure effectiveness. Do you think that would be important? And if so, how? It's definitely important, right? Because now with the increased focus on the L&D teams and budgets being allocated for it, there's definitely going to be a question of, and it's always been there, I'm sure of, you know, how effective is this? And it becomes more important for L&D teams now to show how effective it is. And, you know, I'm not grapple with it really. While yes, there's a lot of, uh, there's a lot of data we are talking about, you know, being data driven, there's a lot of data available, and there are many forms of measurement. But what we have found to be most effective is obviously, you know, um, looking at the return on expectation, what we say, the KP methodology, right? So KP will do very well in times like this, in the times ahead, uh, by being able to actually help organizations, um, you know, understand the expectations from the business, draw solutions accordingly, and then show them that return on expectation. And I think that's the way to go from a perspective of giving back and showing them how their money's been spent. You're listening to the Shiny Happy People podcast. Subscribe to us on your favorite platforms. This podcast is sponsored by C2COD, your organizational development consulting partner, bringing people and strategy together. Follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, Instagram, and Facebook 
using the handle at C2COD and get updates on our upcoming episodes. Uh, yes, I've been hearing about Kirkpatrick, but I think earlier it was probably just about around, but now I think it's going to take the limelight. Absolutely, yes. Right. I mean, these are some amazing insights and I guess uh, our uh, listeners, I'm, I'm sure you can uh, make your comments, give us, send us your thoughts. And of course, if you have any particular topics that you have in mind, uh, we will be more than happy for you to send them over to us and we'll consider bringing them on Transporting. But at this time, thank you very much, Jyoti. I think your knowledge and insights very usefully uh, shared. I'm sure our listeners will appreciate that. Uh, thank you very much. Thanks, Sanjay. It was lo- lovely talking to you as usual. And uh, stay tuned for this one. And every alternate week, you will see another trend spotting conversation on shiny, happy people. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs>